Welcome to Terminal Talk, a podcast on mainframe and mainframe-related topics. I'm Frank, and I'm still here at Share, and Jeff isn't, so taking Jeff's chair is... Uh, what's your name again? Oh, I'm, I'm Dan Jass, and I'm happy to be here at Share and here on Terminal Talk as well. Thanks for having me. Awesome, and we are uh, interviewing Deepak Kohli, That's who right. is the best... <laughs> Offering manager for IMS, I think. Right? And I didn't, and I didn't even, I didn't even pay you to say that. <laughs> <laughs> so let let's start with um, something that that I really don't understand at all. Right. What is IMS? Great question. Um, w- the way I like to start is that IMS is actually two products. It's not one product. It's two products. It's a database manager and a transaction manager. So DB2 is only a database manager. Kix is only a transaction manager. So IMS is a database manager and a transaction manager. And if you are looking to use IMS, you have the choice of saying, I want both, or I want one and not the other. Uh, You can do that. Is is that why IMS is better than Kix and DB2? Because it's both? Yeah, it's better because it's old and reliable, <laughs> and it works faster. <laughs> By the way, I, I don't know if you know this, a little, little bit of trivia. Uh, the, the reason IMS came into existence is for the Apollo space program. They wanted a way to keep track of all the parts that go into the Apollo space rocket mm-hmm. and how those parts are all related. They wanted a way to do that, and so they developed this database system called IMS. And it's because of us, the man meant the moon. Wow, that's <laughs> very oh, that's interesting. Awesome. Yeah. It, this is a great time to be talking about that. Yes, yes. Uh, 50 years ago, uh, IMS came on the scene, 1968. Wow. Um, and it's been 50 years for man on the moon. Wow. So if you double my age by two, you would get IMS. <laughs> great. That's, that's, really, that's really what we needed to hear. <laughs> Sorry, Frank. Man, um, um, I think there's another side to this, too, that I'm curious about, um, because now we have the what is IMS. But being two years on into the mainframe platform myself, I've heard about kicks. I've heard a lot about DB2. I haven't heard as much about IMS. So why is it not getting the publicity that kicks and DB2 are getting? I think we have a stable client, major Fortune 500 companies, uh, big banks, uh, uh, manufacturing companies, automobile manufacturers, pl- airplane manufacturers, they all continue to use IMS. Uh, IMS provides uh, number one reliability. Uh, you know, I, whenever I visit clients, they can't tell me the last time IMS crashed. <laughs> uh, the other thing that IMS provides, and that's part of the DNA for IMS, is speed, right? Uh, none of the other products that you mentioned can match up to IMS's speed. Uh, It's known for that. And when you go to any ATM and you dip your card, you want your money or your deposit done in less than a second, and then you want to move on, right? And and that's what it promises. And and so if you've ever used the ATM, you've used IMS, because running the background is an IMS transaction, doing what you want, sub-second response time. Uh, Some numbers I'll just throw out. uh, 300 million transactions, uh, 3 million transactions a second uh, is what we do for enterprises out there, or 265 billion transactions per day, right? Uh, that's the DNA of IMS reliability, recoverability, speed. Um, 
it's there. So I, IMS has been around uh, for a long time, and IMSDB uh, started, you said, 50 years ago, right? Exactly. That, that's, that's before relational databases, right? Exactly. Relational databases started out in what was in the middle of night. Actually, it started off as a research project within IBM as System R, mm -hmm. and then it became, came out as DB2 in the, in the mid-'80s. Right. Most of those developers were taken off of a project called IMS, and they were moved <laughs> on to system, a little bit of history there, yeah. and they moved on to this project called System R. Mm. And, and if you look at DB2 and some of the things that they, it does, it's very similar to some of the infrastructure that IMS has. So they learned a thing or two from IMS and, and, and used that. Yeah. But, but but the overall structure is fundamentally different from a relational model. Very good. Yeah, yeah. Very, very important. Uh, IMS is what we call a hierarchical database. So conceptually speaking, we store the data in, in the form of a hierarchy, if you will. So to give you an example, if I was storing parts for an airplane, right, at the top of my hierarchy would be the airplane. Then I could break it down into the body and then the, the wings and then you could further break it down. So it's sort of a hierarchy, a top-down hierarchy, if you will. Whereas relational is more table format, if you will, right? Tables, we're used to tables, uh, timetables, phone books are tables. Uh, so it's a fundamental difference. And that's another thing, is that, that most, uh, many of our clients have data that is hierarchical in nature. Uh, manufacturing is a perfect example where Data is hierarchical in nature, and they would go with IMS. Uh, and that's one of the reasons. Yeah, it's kind of interesting uh, that today there's interest in uh, databases that are not structured. Um, yes. How how do you how do you connect that world with this? Hey, you know, people think that there's uh, relational databases, or there's these unstructured. You're really not either of those things. We, yeah, we're a hybrid. Uh, exactly. Uh, and, and in fact, one, one of the other things that we found uh, and that we did with IMS over time is IMS, when you wanted to access IMS data, we had a proprietary IMS uh, way to access IMS data. And as, as time changed, we found that folks knew relational. Everybody knows how to issue an SQL call. My grandmother from India could issue an SQL <laughs> call, right? Uh, and so now we've actually taken that approach, and, and you can actually issue SQL calls to IMS. In fact, it's, if we take the hierarchic structure of an IMS database, each hierarchic level can be viewed as a table, right? And so we simply view, and that's another way to look at IMS, it's really a bunch of tables, if you will, that are hierarchically related. Right in in DB two we have referential integrity. We have referential integrity only. It's hierarchically related. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so what we've done is we we are probably the, I think the only database out there that will allow you to do hierarchic access using DL one, which is our proprietary access uh, method, and you can use JDBC access method or SQL access to get at IMS data. Yeah. So that's that's good to know, right, for our next yeah. generation of mainframers coming onto the platform, that if they're learning these DBA-type skills in college or something like that, that they can transfer those over to an IMS-type uh, Absolutely. You know, it, it used to be that IMS was this database that was sitting out on the mainframe. And if you wanted to access IMS data, you had to go to the mainframe, and you had to run a program on the mainframe to access IMS data. 
No longer. That, in fact, we have a feature called Open Database. We've opened up the database, and you could be a Java programmer running on a distributed platform, and you can, over TCP IP, connect to the mainframe, issue a JDBC call. That JDBC call will go from your distributed platform over TCP IP, will come into IMS, will grab some data, and then return the data back to you. And if you look at that JDBC program that's running on your distributed platform, you could not know that you're actually talking to an IMS system. It's, you know, the, the coding is like it is for any relational database. So not, not to, to get you involved in any arguments between <laughs> DB2 and IMS. Oh, go for it. <laughs> Please. <laughs> but uh, I would think that because of the, because the relationships are hierarchical in nature that I can I can get from that top level down to the connections much faster than in a relational environment. For sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, not to get into any arguments with my colleagues in DB2, <laughs> but yeah, we uh, if, if there is something that we have, and that is the speed with which you can get at data, there's no question that IMS still has that speed to get from that yeah, exactly. You said it well. Yeah. Now that we've we've spent almost um, almost ten minutes saying why IMS is better than DB two, mm. let let, <laughs> let they're they're gonna kill me. Um, <laughs> why would we use IMS as a transaction manager instead of Gex? Outside of the fact that it's faster, right? What what is it that if I'm going to choose? When should I choose IMS? What are the things that, that make IMS a superior as a transaction manager? You know, that, that's a really great question. And, and um, we have clients out there that have IMS as the transaction manager, but don't use IMS as the database manager. So they'll use IMS as the transaction manager and DB2 as the database manager. Then we have clients out there that'll use Kix as the transaction manager but we'll use IMS as the database manager. And then we've got, of course, clients out there that'll use the transaction manager and the database manager together. They're the smartest right? ones, right? They're the smartest ones, exactly. <laughs> Gosh, Frank, <laughs> has somebody been paying you? <laughs> we should have you move over to the IMS team. <laughs> um, the question of, is IMS transaction manager better than Kix? I don't know. Uh, I, I think uh, they're both uh, they both provide equal amounts of capability. Uh, I think there's one fundamental difference uh, that is that IMS transaction manager is a queuing uh, uh, product. We we queue our transactions and based upon priority you you, you process them. Also, we tend to grow horizontally. Uh, whereas Kix doesn't go horizontally. So every application program that runs, that accesses IMS transaction manager services uh, gets its own address space. Uh, so there's uh, more virtual storage for it to grow and use. So it's just a different approach. Um, yeah, so yeah. so this is interesting to me. So so you talk about the fact that it's, it's a queued model, right? Yeah, it's a queued model. Um, it, but it's a prioritized queue model, right? It's a prioritized queue model. Right? So just because I'm ahead of you in the queue doesn't mean that I'm going to be going to be handled first, right? Exactly. 
Very well said, yeah. Yeah, just because you're ahead of the queue doesn't mean you're going to be handled first. And, and also, uh, that's the thing with IMS, is that you've got uh, so many ways to process your workload. Even if you've got a higher priority than another transaction, it doesn't mean that you will be processed first. There are many parameters, if you will, or many uh, things that, that customers or clients can tweak for their own business to to change the workload processing, if you will. Yeah. So so how do you kind of connect all the things that I can do this way with a traditional environment that's got um, WM kind of driving uh, you know priorities? Yeah, we we've we uh, some of the ZOS resources we can let WLM handle that. Uh, but uh, internal IMS resources and IMS address spaces and, 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 and how resources are assigned, we have our own dispatcher within IMS to handle that. So at a high level from a ZOS resources, we assign that to workload manager. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the other stuff, um, IMS-related resources, control box, uh, we have our own dispatcher that that assigns those things. So, so I actually, uh, I actually have two dispatching, two Unit, levels of dispatching. Dispatching units. Right. That's right. Um, so, so uh, ZOS would dispatch a, a TCB or an SRB, for example. Uh, we under the covers, yes, would uh, dispatch uh, the TCB. But then, if that processing needs to be put on hold, then we under the covers will will kick off some other. Uh, task and we call it I task or an IMS task, if you will. So yeah, so we we make um, we take advantage of the fact that okay, we've been dispatched as a TCB, and then let's do as much work as we can now that we've been dispatched. So if any any particular unit needs to go on hold, then we've got other little I tasks that we can kick off and, and get done. So you use words I'm not sure I understand. What yeah. what is a TCB? Ah. <laughs> So that's a uh, dispatchable unit of work on a ZOS platform. TCB stands for Task Control Block. Um, and, and so when uh, the ZOS dispatcher dispatches work that needs to be processed, it does so under uh, TCB, if you will. And then, and then you use another one, SRB? SR <laughs> these are, these are um, service request blocks. And, and they have a higher um, priority, if you will. And they are dispatched, again, by the ZOS dispatcher. Yeah. So, so that's, it's kind of interesting the way you're talking about it, that here we've got levels within the operating system that define a set of priorities. That's right. And then, and then you kind of come along after and say, at a more granular level, we have to do these things. That's right. right? Yes, and, and keep in mind that the history of IMS. We go back, uh, you know, the, 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 the middle 60s, where Z, Z, there was no ZOS at that time, right? right? So the operating system uh, wasn't that um, farther along, shall I say, as, right. as we are today. So many of the things that are incorporated in our IMS dispatcher uh, you will now find them in, 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 in ZOS, but in those days, they, they were not there. So, so uh, you know, we do things like, um, and again, they, people ask, well, why do you do this? And that's because, <laughs> you know, we're talking the 60s when 
uh, things weren't that further along. Uh, people were still smoking something. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but you know, for example, we, you have the ability to say, okay, these transactions are high, high priority. And when these transactions get dispatched, we don't want to wait for the program to be loaded from the program library. Mm -hmm. We want these programs preloaded. So you can create a preload list so that you have these programs sitting there in the region ready to be kicked off as soon as the transaction comes in. Right. Right? I mean, these are examples of things that you'll find within an IMS environment that where you'll say, wait a minute, that doesn't sound familiar to what ZOS can do. And yes, it does, but that's because we were doing some of these things. We developed the system very early on. Right, but but it's not like I, IMS hasn't grown and changed in that in that time frame as yes, well. Yes, right? yes, very well said. Uh, you know, uh, I'm reminded of, and I'm going to probably show my age here. I'm reminded <laughs> about that old commercial, this is not your father's Oldsmobile. Remember that commercial? Yes, I yeah, do. Yeah. No, not so, <laughs> Yeah, you don't, Dan. That's for sure. I was actually talking to somebody at Share here who uh, said to me, you know, I, I worked on IMS in 1983 for three years, and then I moved on to DB2, and I can't recognize IMS. And I go, well, yeah, you know, it's changed a lot. Right. Uh, you know, it used to be uh, when I started in IMS, you could write a program in IMS in Assembler, Mainframe Assembler, or, or COBOL or PL1. And now you can write a, a Java program uh, to, 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 to run in IMS and, right. and issue JDBC calls and not know DLI and, and not really know uh, uh, the hierarchical yeah. ins and outs, if you will, right? Um, uh, we have Eclipse-based tooling, right? In, in the days when I started, there was no such thing as right. Eclipse, but now you have Eclipse-based tooling, where if you want to see what the hierarchic structure of your database looks like, you go into, we have something called an IMS Explorer for Development, and it'll show you a hierarchical structure of your database and, and, and you know, lay it out for you, spread it out for you. That's awesome, so, yeah. because you constantly hear in the Z modernization play that you want to enable these cloud-like interfaces into these ZOS functions, right? So it sounds like IMS is way ahead of the curve in and, that regard. Yeah, absolutely, and, and I don't mean to throw out some buzzwords, but, but yeah, you can do cloud-like provisioning of mm -hmm. IMS. IMS today. Uh, IMS also plays in the DevOps. So if you want to, you know, deploy uh, products along with the, the same DevOps pipelines that you have for your distributed platforms, IMS can play in that arena. So yeah, it's, uh, it's come a long way. Yeah. One of the things now, I, I'm a little bit older than, than you, Dan. <laughs> you probably haven't noticed. No, I hadn't. <laughs> but um, I remember back in the, the the 90s when people started moving towards uh, web inter infrastructures and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. The, the IMS uh, applications tended to be ahead of the game because um, the way you guys do things tends to automatically separate display logic from exactly. the processing. Yeah. Was that, was that done be because of the fact that you always had to be dealing with a, a, a growing operating system, an operating system that, in effect, grew behind you? Yeah, I, I think so. I, 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 I don't know if that was a conscious decision, uh, but, but yeah, absolutely. Um, in fact, in the, in the 90s, let, let me just give you a story. Um, in the early 90s, we used to have these IMS technical conferences. Mm -hmm. And, and people came up to us and said, hey, we're hearing this thing about the information superhighway. And, 
and uh, which, which which is what we call the internet today. Right. Right? Mm. And they said, you know, w- is it possible to access IMS data from this information superhighway? Can, can we do that? And 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 the IMS lab thought about it, and we threw a few people together, and we developed a product, and we said, yeah, here's a little piece that you can download and you can use this and you can come in over the information superhighway and, and access this. And we put it out there on the internet and they could download it and they could, they could use it. Right. And, and pretty soon everybody started to use it. And then they started asking us for enhancements. Can you add this? Can you add that? Before we knew it, we had on our hands a product, right. which today is called IMS Connect, wow. which is our TCP IP gateway. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is how we, 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 nobody thought the internet would go where it is today, but here we are. <laughs> yeah. I remember working, uh, with the Gide, the Gide of an airship oh, okay. back in the, back in the day. Right. Yeah, there you go. So, so yeah. you're a, you're a legend, Frank. Yeah. I, I, no, he's the legend. <laughs> I've just been around a while. Uh, I think but, we missed a real opportunity there, though, to start calling the internet the information superhighway. Yeah. I think that might have that might have stuck a little better. Yeah, as good as the, the interweb. I don't know. That's pretty cool. So, <laughs> so we've talked a lot about kind of what brought things about and where we've where we've come. Where where do you where do you want to go next? Where where do you see IMS in the future? I'm not. I don't want you to give away any secrets or anything, but but. What are the things that you want to do? I can tell you some of the areas that our technical leaders are looking into. Uh, Connecting your on-prem cloud to an IMS system. Um, And I think earlier I mentioned provisioning an IMS system. Uh, These are sort of the areas that that we are now uh, looking at. Some of the uh, other things, uh, when you define a database schema in, in relational terms. Uh, in DB2, you just issue DDL. Uh, in IMS, you had to do what was called a, a DBD gen and an ACB gen, very IMS proprietary stuff. Uh, what we found when we visit IMS clients is, uh, you know, just like most companies, when an IMS person retires, they turn to the DB2 DBA and go, you are now also the IMS DBA. <laughs> and he goes, no, I, I don't know. He says, no, no, you know it, and you're in response for IMS and DB2. Right. Uh, and, and so what we have done is we, we, we have now put in place uh, processes to get rid of the proprietary uh, way of defining application database schemas, and pretty soon everybody will be doing DDL. Uh, so modernization of IMS... Uh, getting uh, caught up in the digital transformation, uh, provisioning of IMS and connecting to the cloud, uh, that's where we are focusing our energy and attention, and that's where it's going. It's interesting that that you say say it this way, right, because you're adding all this complexity kind of in the the background to make it easier for, for, because I still need to, somewhere along the way in order to keep the performance i still have to define the database the the old way right i still have to to um to make those definitions work you're hiding that right you're are you hiding it or are you rewriting so that it those like ddl will start to create that so we've actually provided ddl okay so we're not hiding it okay Uh, so if you want to define an ims database you would issue DDL, and you, you know you, you submit DDL, and you're mm-hmm. done. Um, now, 
yes, we've taken the, the standard DDL and we've added some parameters that are IMS specific, mm -hmm. uh, obviously. Uh, but, but no, we're not hiding in that. We're not taking the DDL and then converting it to the old way, okay. right? We're not doing that. Okay. It's, it's DDL, you submit DDL, DDL gets processed. And, 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 and the stuff goes into our catalog. We actually have a catalog, you know. Right. Um, so, yeah, no, we're not uh, hiding it. It's, that, that's how it's done. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty, you know, we had a customer, uh, real quick story, uh, pharmaceutical company, very famous in North America. And they had that scenario where the, the IMS DBA retired and the, the, that guy who was the DB2 DBA was now told he was responsible for IMS. He was very, very nervous. And when we showed him the DDL that he could use, he was like, oh, my God, this is fantastic. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, and also, we, we have tooling. So, for example, if, you, if, you're, if you're a friendly IMS DBA coded up a, a database definition in 1973, for example, and they are now retired or dead, uh, you you know using our tooling you can take that DVD and with with the click of a button have that converted to DDL boom okay. right there right uh, so we've done those kinds of things uh, to, to to help our clients it's really important right with all the with the turnover of the generations coming onto the platform it, it sounds like they can come right on and start impacting their uh, their teams in IMS absolutely you know some of these clients that we've had uh, have been with us for decades. Uh, if they were going to leave IMS, it, it would have been done a long time ago. Mm -hmm. So they're going to continue with this. Uh, and, and the question is, how do we make sure the next generation continues to support IMS? And, and so these kinds of things, issuing DDL, I think is, is, is fantastic. So you know? I'm curious, so if you had a message then to that next generation to talk about IMS, engage interest in IMS, what would you say? If you want to work on the most exciting product ever that works better than DB2 and kicks on the mainframe. Baby, look nowhere elsewhere. Come right here. We, we, we definitely got to get Fraser and some of the other guys to come. <laughs> we'll have a death match. Um, that's really cool. It, it is to me really cool that, I mean, this has been around forever. It, 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 it always seems to be, um, classic in execution right yeah. but modern in in use right I, i've it always seems to be an easy thing to do with whatever's doing modern new and again from the 80s when i started touching this kind of stuff all the way through today it always seems to be the thing yeah that, that is oh that that's pretty easy i can do this and, yeah yeah and and um, I think you should just tell everybody. Yeah, we, we planned it that way from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> we knew. <laughs> yeah, you know when I started in IMS, I, I never thought it would end up being a career. Here I am, decades later, doing IMS, and uh, you know. You, um, you didn't you didn't grow up in a log IT shop and say, when I grow up, I want to do IMS. Listen. I hate to display my age here, but when I grew up, there were no, there was no internet even, you know. <laughs> um, in fact, my, my daughter asked me, she said, Daddy, at what age did you get a cell phone? <laughs> I said, honey, they didn't have cell phones well, at my age. <laughs> yeah, that's not the way it worked. <laughs> yeah. And also, by the way, uh, just for anybody that's out there thinking about the IT business, um, lots of clients out there are always looking for IMS professionals. So... It's, it's a great space to play in, you know, 
everybody knows SQL, everybody knows relational databases. There are very few people that can claim, yeah, I know IMS. And, uh, yeah. Well, after hearing so. your message to, to, to that group, I don't see how they can stay away. That's yeah. right. <laughs> no, the place to be. Well, yeah. we're, we're coming up on the bottom of the hour, and um, this has gone by really quick. Uh, but I really appreciate the fact you're spending the time and, and with us because this is this has been awesome. Hey, thank you for the opportunity. Thanks, Dan. And uh, to all you folks out there, www.ibm.com slash forward slash IMS. Awesome. Bye now. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Old Man Charlie, run us out. You've been listening to Terminal Talk with Frank and Jeff. For questions or comments, or if you have a topic you'd like to see covered on a future episode, direct all correspondence to contact at terminaltalk.net. That's contact at terminaltalk.net. Until the next time, I'm Charlie Lawrence, signing off.